93.7 Express FM. Hello and welcome to another coronavirus special podcast. On the show this week, we spoke to leader of Portsmouth City Council, Gerald Vernon Jackson, about the reopening of pubs, hotels and restaurants on the 4th of July. We got your lockdown stories as well. And we spoke to pub owners about their thoughts on reopening on the 4th of July. We chatted local sport as well with our local sport expert, Henry Deacon. And as always, if you want to get in touch with the coronavirus special it's robbie at expressfm.com on email with anything that you would like answered in the coming episodes of the coronavirus special we'll kick off the show with uh, leader of Portsmouth city council gerald vernon jackson i asked him if he thought we had turned a corner with the updates from the prime minister this week regarding the reopening of pubs restaurants and hotels i think probably yes it's it's a a corner that's been turned very gradually very slowly but I think you can now see that there are there's an opportunity to do things in a different way. And what what do you in different way? Are you just talking about the 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 sort of physical side of things? Yeah, so that people are, will be able to go um, to to restaurants um, and to pubs, to the cinema, and things like that. There'll be some things people can't do, but 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 all of the time people need to keep socially distanced from each other. Let's come on to I'll come on to the the the, the two meter rule in in just a second. What was your initial initial reaction yesterday? Focusing just for now on the on the reopening of venues. What what was the first thing you thought when you heard the news? That it was all just as had been leaked to the press um, in the previous days, and there really weren't any surprises. But what was but were you ha- are you happy with that though? I think the important bit is that people remain socially distanced. Um, I think it is sensible that there are some things that people can't do and some things that people can do. As we know more and more about this disease, it, it, it seems that we're able to make those decisions better. So outdoor gyms, play, uh, playgrounds, etc., opening again, they, they're much safer than indoor things. So that, that seems a very sensible decision. Um, I, I think there'll be lots of people who will be very cautious, who will choose not to go to those things, who will choose to remain at home and away from people. Um, and I think that people being cautious is what's made sure that in Portsmouth our numbers of, uh, numbers of people with infections has been very, very low. Mm. And from a sort of a business point of view, I think there's a lot of businesses I know will have been relieved at the news, but but also from from what you've heard, of that they must be anxious as well because there's, yep. there's suddenly a big responsibility on these places. Well, but whenever anybody runs a business, you you do a risk assessment of everything you do to make sure that you are coming, you're not putting your workers at risk, you're not putting your customers at risk. And therefore, you don't, as an owner, put yourself at risk. And things will be different. When I get to the, the co-op today to get milk, there's a, a, a perspex screen between me and the person on the checkout. That's different. That's, uh, somebody's done a risk assessment and said that reduces the risk. Uh, I, everybody stands back from the tills now. And th- those are sensible precautions that people are making. And now you you were worried. I remember a, a, well when I asked you a few weeks ago. Do you think that there'll be a second spike? I remember you you said that you you think there will be. Now that we have the two meter rule relaxed to one meter, I heard yesterday that the the same amount of infection can spread in six seconds of being within one meter of someone compared to a minute of being within two meters of someone. So does this then now does this make you even more worried of a second spike? But my my understanding of the ruling is that 
the, the advice remains that people should remain at two metres apart. But if they can't, then the absolute minimum they can do is one metre apart. Now, I hope that people listen to the first part of that and keep two metres apart um, as, much as, is, as much as is possible. And that will protect all of us from a spike in infections. So what do you what do you think the gap of the of the of the little things that are put on the floor behind to queue at shops are going to be? Do you reckon uh, well, they'll I go down to one? Be, no, I hope people are going to keep to two meters. That that's the advice. Always stick to two meters if you can. Only if you can't is one meter plus still okay-ish. But let's stick to two meters if at all possible. And what do you think from uh, from the point of view of the council? You know, there's going to be. We've seen over the last few days a fair bit of actual unrest in Portsmouth in places with the with the heat yeah. um, and whatnot. Do you, do you think that this is going to be sort of the the council's time to act more than ever in the, over the coming yeah. weeks? Yeah, no. So I've just come off a meeting uh, where what we're trying to do is to recognise, particularly with with restaurants, cafes, um, and things like that, that with social distancing rules, even if they even when they do open. Uh, on on the 4th of July, for a lot of them it's going to be economically very difficult for them to survive just because they won't be able to get nearly as many people into those venues as they've been used to having. Now, if if that's so, then the council's duty is to try to help those companies, those businesses, to not go bust. So what we're trying to do is look at how we give them more space to be able to put out more chairs and tables so that they can have more people using their businesses, but in a, a socially distanced way. So what we'll be looking at doing is, uh, outside restaurants and cafes, tea rooms, etc., is to take out parking spaces to allow people to put out ta- tables and chairs uh, instead of having car parking while, this, while the sunny weather is here and while the, the, the pandemic is still around. And we will do what we can to try to make sure that we support businesses to make sure that not too many of them go under. And how do you, how do you think, sort of proportionately, um, we've been hearing the economic forecasts of the of the world uh, for for the country as well. How do you think Portsmouth will likely fare fare out of this? I don't know. I think we we have a lot of people who work in the creative industries in Portsmouth, and I think that that section um, looks is going to be hit really quite hard, um, partly because so many people are self employed. Um, so I hope we don't do too badly in some ways because a very large proportion of our jobs are in the public sector in Portsmouth. They're the council, the navy, the hospital, the police, the university. And um, I think job losses in those areas will be lower than in some other areas. And, and, and bits that are connected to the MODs, the BAE, um, again, I, I hope will be protected. So I think we may do better than some other places. Mm. What do, just quickly there, you, you mentioned the self-employed. What do you? Th- we, we've heard a lot of stories of people falling through the cracks, yeah. um, self-employed people falling through the cracks in the in the government schemes. What what have you made of their handling of, of self-employed people in particular? Well, I think it was really disappointing that they didn't include people who were self-employed at the beginning and dragged their feet and dragged their feet and dragged their feet. Um, it's a much bigger part of the of the British economy than it used to be, and and it didn't seem as if the government had recognised that things had changed since the 1970s. Uh, I, I think it 
they now look as if there is at least some support for people who are self-employed um, to make sure that they're on roughly the same level playing field as people who are working for companies. Um, but again, it's, it's yet another example of where the government managed to, to be really very slow and not get it right at the beginning. And for those for those that do fall through the cracks, what what advice would you or, or what can you can the council offer offer them? Because there's, there's so many people that have been yeah. self-employed with within less than a year, um, yeah. or, or, or for whatever reason they fall through the cracks. What advice would you give to them? So we've had a discretionary grant scheme that's been available to people and companies to to come to the council to say, look, I've fallen through the cracks. I haven't hit any of the others, um, and we've had 1.9 million quid available for people to bid in for. Um, now, those bids closed on Monday, um, but the impression I have is that that, that, that won't all be um, used up, and I think, therefore, we will open that up again. So ask the council, ask people um, at the lab, ask the uh, um, people with the, the business support at the Chamber of Commerce where you can access um, support and help. Um, and, and for most people, there is at least a route Okay. Well, thank uh, thank you for for chatting to us uh, this evening, Joe. We of course share our share our sort of sympathy for everyone that is that is yep. fighting um, hard out there. Can I just one other yep. thing? Sure. So I've been written to 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 say who in this community um, should be nominated uh, for a national award, a medal for for what they've done over the coronavirus. Now I know of what some people have done. Um, but if any of your listeners know of people who've really gone beyond uh, uh, beyond what they should and could have done, um, really, really made an enormous impact, then please let me know so I can nominate people for uh, an award, uh, an MBE, an OBE, or whatever, because we need to recognise the incredible contributions some people have made. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Here, here to that. Well, Gerald, thank you, thank you so. Just, just quickly, actually, how how is best for people to get in touch? Um, so either my, my best email address is Gerald VJ, G-E-R-A-L-D-V-J for Vernon Jackson at gmail.com or, or write to me at the, uh, at the City Council um, uh, in the Civic Offices in Guildhall Square. Brilliant. That's great. Well, Gerald, thank you so much, as always, for your, for your time this evening and uh, have a good rest of your evening. Thank you very much. Have a good time. Express FM. Got Ollie is in Emsworth. Hi, Ollie. Hi there, how's it going? Yeah, very good, thanks, Ollie. Uh, talk me through your lockdown story. You've had quite quite a few months. Yeah, so um, it's been an unusual uh, couple of months. So um, when uh, Boris Johnson announced uh, in uh, March that um, all businesses had to close, uh, it was a bit of a struggle for me. I work as a pet photographer um, and I put on pet photo shoot events with small businesses. Um, a business is called Paws and Claws Photography. Um, and this had to close, uh, 15 um, events cancelled. So I had to pivot in some way. Um, and whilst looking for a uh, birthday present for my sister, I stumbled across a jigsaw puzzle website. Um, and the prices were incredible. It was a small business. Um, I contacted the um, supplier and said, look, your prices are amazing. I could actually see a business from this. So uh, we had a long chat, and uh, he sent me a sample through the pri- through the post, and I was just like, "This is a perfect opportunity." So I set up a new business called uh, Puzzle Crazy, which uh, creates bespoke jigsaw puzzles uh, for families to do during the lockdown. They make uh, amazing presents, um, and many of these were um, 
uh, people's pet photos, family photos, uh, gifts, um, and um, and yeah, I also make collage jigsaw puzzles uh, from family photos, and work with um, fifteen artists from all over the world, transforming their artworks into jigsaw puzzles, which I sell through uh, Etsy, which has been really amazing. So it, it, you mentioned there that it's um, it's bespoke pu- puzzles that you make. What what sort of bespoke about them? Is it the material, or is it, is it the fact that it, they're personal, like you said? Yeah, it's completely personal. So you could you could put a family photo on or whatever you wanted from the jigsaw puzzle. So a lot of them have been um, um, their, their family photos, which are people are sending to their family who've been shielded or miles away who they currently cannot see um, due to the virus. So literally any photo can be put onto the jigsaw puzzle. I'm trying to. I'm trying to sort of focus. Uh, I'm trying to think about the transfer of your sort of skills there. So I suppose you the the only skills that, that really will will come in with both your photography skills. I suppose that helps you. And then is it, it other than that? Is it something that's completely new to you? Well, there is a link which a lot of people don't realise straight away, but it's both printing. So instead of printing prints this time, I'm printing onto paper. I'm printing onto um, jigsaw, blank jigsaw puzzles. It's all using sublimination printing. And I print onto these blank jigsaw puzzles where my supplier prints onto them and get it made. So it's, 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 in a way, it has got the link. Oh, you still there, Ollie? Hello? Oh, it went on mute. Um, oh, there you go. That's all right, mate. Just, so, just go from where you were, then no, no problem. So, yeah, so instead of printing onto um, paper, it's um, printing um, onto jigsaw puzzles. So um, so there is the link there. Um, it's not actually my photos. My, uh, my studio pet photography doesn't really work well as a jigsaw puzzle because it's one main thing in the centre and then completely black edges. And just trying to work all the black blackout makes for quite a, a dull puzzle so that's where i decided to work with artists if people didn't want their family photos um and i um literally put their family photos um on the jigsaw puzzles or the um artist pictures where uh, they make for a better jigsaw puzzle right so uh, what's what's demand been like for this because i suppose especially i mean a lot i'm trying to think about the last few weeks the weather hasn't been as good so a lot more people spending time indoors yeah it's been really busy like the whole through the whole way through lockdown, it's been really steady, steady roughly selling uh, 30 to 40 jigsaw puzzles a week, not just yeah. to England. I've had orders in America, Poland, uh, Australia, uh, Turkey, South Africa. So it's been really, really broad. Um, where How have you got such a big reach so quick? That, that's, that's extraordinary quick to get international international demand. Yeah, so the international demand has been pretty much been through Etsy. Um, so Etsy right. is a marketplace thing, which um, where they are mainly been the artist jigsaw puzzles which have been purchased. So I haven't really done any family ones. I've done one one family one for Australia, but pretty much all those jigsaw puzzles which have been international have been with the artists which I work with. So I work with some incredible artists. Uh, one, of, um, one of the most popular artists being um, an artist called Yvonne Jack, um, who I've uh, creates these really stunning animal um, um, paintings um, which are multicolored, really bright, really vibrant, really fun. She's really popular. And I've got another artist I work with called um, 
Sheila Roper, who is uh, inspired by um, American folk art, and she's got these, they're quite Kafkinson-like, they're uh, really vintage-looking, really, really beautiful, um, very pastel colours, and they're really, really popular also at the moment. And what's going to happen with the what's going to happen in the future? Then is this what you're going to stick with, or are you going to go back to your to your job as a, as a pet photographer, or mix of both? No, so it's going to be a mix of both. So today I've just literally done my first pet photo shoot in um, in uh, three months. Congratulations! So, uh, yeah, so it's been really good. I travelled to New Forest to a lady's house to photograph her border colours, um, which is really unusual because now I have to wear like face masks for photo shoots which is something which I've never done before. So, uh, yeah, but, um, but to be able to, um, to do it, I've got to wear face masks now. I was going to say, I mean, it must be fairly, because I suppose you don't need to touch, you don't really need to come into contact with, it, with the animals, do you? Or, or is it something where you do? It's not really the contact with the animals. Luckily, Boris Johnson introduced the um, one metre distancing, but the, it's very close contact. Um, the owner is right by me holding dog treats above my camera to get the pet's attention so it was really lucky that yesterday Boris Johnson introduced the one metre rule Um, but um, yeah it it, it isn't something where I can be like four metres away from the person so it is quite lucky that that was introduced yesterday. Yeah, interesting the the transition of your of your, sort of the innovation of your of your previous job what what is now your 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 job as well. You've merged them together. Do you, do you reckon many people in your position doing a similar thing? So I I promoted it. So I won a couple of pet photography forums, but I told them about my business pivot. But they were like, oh, you're boasting. And it's really quite rude and nasty to me because I've managed to transform my business around. There have been a couple of um, photographers in America who have actually been like, uh, actually been polite to me, whereas a lot of them go, um, haven't been too friendly towards me for it because I've managed to pivot. And, um, and yeah, so it's, um, it's not, it's not the most usual thing for someone to do because having the right supplier and everything and um, is really quite hard to find um, because quality is so important um, because essentially I'm middleman so basically I do have to have a, a markup on top of what I'm actually um, selling them what I, I buy them in for so basically um, the pro- having the right price is also really really important for the product sure and what's um, I'll give you give you a chance to plug it. So how can people get in touch? And by the way, keep doing what you're doing because it's it's a brilliant, brilliant job. And a lot of people don't like to see other people do well. It's it's a horrible trait in it that that goes throughout the world. But um, but what, how can people get in touch with you if they want if they want you to do some work for them? Yeah, so if they if they fancy having a puzzle made, the best way is to contact through my Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash puzzle crazy UK. And if they fancy having a pet photo shoot, uh, they can get which I've now just opened, uh, mainly promoting for the first of July onwards. Um, and they can get through to me at facebook.com forward slash poor and claw photography. So uh, yeah. Nice one. Well, good luck with it, Ollie. And, and that's a, it's a brilliant thing you're doing. And, and congratulations on, on making it work as well. And, uh, and all the best. Take care of yourself. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me along. That's Ollie in Emsworth on the coronavirus special. Now, of course, pubs have been given the green light to reopen on the 4th of July. We've got the owner of the Lord John Russell pub in Southsea on the line, Chris Vaux. Evening, Chris. 
Chi, how you doing, Robbie? Alright? Yeah, very well, thanks, Chris. We're we're delighted we can get you on the show uh, uh, this evening. Tell us tell us if you can about what you've been up to through lockdown. We'll come on to on to the sort of reopening of pubs very shortly, but first of all, tell us what you've been doing for the last few months. Well, it's been a bit of a surreal world, really, in all honesty. Uh, when you say three months, um, yeah, it's just it's been, been a bit of a void, but uh, to try and fill the void, um, I just tried to have some fun, really. Uh, we did lots of exercises to keep the community entertained, you might say. Um, we've moved all of our sound system from the pub up to the roof, and I did some, some broadcasts at 6 o'clock. Uh, I did 40 broadcasts on the roof at 6 o'clock to try and keep everyone going and did a bit of uh, community uh, work as such really but yeah we had a bit of fun we've had a bit of fun doing some dj sets as well and stuff so uh even though we're not pulling points we're, we're doing doing our bit to try and keep everyone entertained yeah and what what a wonderful a, a wonderful way to do it as well and, and the pub is obviously such a such a sort of it's a social a social place to be it's you know the whole point of the pub is to sort of bring people together and everything and 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 that that's what you've what you've done sort of in in the evenings with these sort of performances i suppose we can call them to, to go into a bit more detail if you can about about how they've worked well, I mean, when I first did it, um, it was the first Wednesday after we shut the pubs down. And um, uh, I was just like, I just kept thinking to myself, oh, what do I do myself really now? I mean, kind of go from a, a seven days a week thriving business yeah. to just like nothing. Um, and uh, I'd had a couple of beers in the afternoon. And I thought, do you know what? I mean, I've, I've been the DJ for 20 years. I'm just going to go up on the roof, put a couple of speakers up there and uh, and, and play some tunes for the, for the neighbours. And they ended up dancing around the sombrero to Bambaleo, uh, doing some shout outs with people. But it kind of grew into something else. And um, a friend of mine works in the Positive Minds Department, uh, which is a part of Silent Mind here in Portsmouth, supporting local people with, uh, with with mental health um difficulties and um it kind of developed just from that into something called the positive vibes broadcast and then we started raising money via selling t-shirts and i used to get my little dog lola up there with me and i used to hold her whilst doing the broadcast it was all on facebook live as well uh, we started getting hundreds of i think overall we've had uh, nearly three hundred thousand views on, on the videos we've done um, and uh, that's all across. We have people from California, from Iceland, from, from from all over the shop, kind of tuning in, which was which is pretty surreal as well. And uh, yeah, the t-shirts we we sold t-shirts, and we we, we raised uh, I think raised about pounds so far for the local mine department, which is which is pretty cool. Kind of uh, if you can't do much, you can do a little for the local community, and it kind of makes you feel a bit better about things, really. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it's a message that I think is um, is not not said enough at the, at the moment about just looking after your patch and making sure that sort of you know everyone around you is okay. And then if you can control that, I suppose then it's gonna it's gonna have a an effect on the bigger picture. I mean, we, we've seen. Um, I remember seeing sort of when this all started, seeing sort of DJ sets and whatnot from the balconies in Spain and Italy and things like that. And I suppose that you know it was because they're they're the countries with a bit more heat, so it was going on a lot. <laughs> A, a lot overseas but not i haven't seen as much in the uk and, and i suppose there's a there's a lovely sort of um a connection here between the, the work that the pub does normally and and mental health because i mean i certainly for me i i've not enjoyed not being able to go to the pub you know you, you want to be able to see your friends and that, that has that can have a detrimental you know effect on on mental health 
Definitely. I mean, uh, mental health uh, and, and the cause of supporting it has been a big picture for me. I lost my friend, my best friend, Matt, a fair few years ago now. Just uh, He took his own life. And, and since then, I've kind of made it a, a big uh, project for myself to do as much as I can to support uh, local causes. We, work, we do some work with Tonic Music for Mental Health as well, do some uh, money raising for those guys. Um, but I think the pub is really, really crucial because the fact that there's always somewhere safe for, for people to go to be a part of the community. Uh, and it's not just a place for everyone to go and get a bit messy yeah. um, of course that's part of it really but it is a part of the community um, and the, the, one of the thing, nice three things really Robbie is the fact that um, since, um, since lockdown I've managed to engage more with the neighbours and the community around us since, even before we, 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 we locked down which was pretty, was pretty good um, and, uh, and some of the people in the local neighbourhood they've been exchanging presents and there's been people supporting other people in the community here via some of the stuff we've done so it, it's, it's helped us to really kind of keep the community uh, spirit alive even though it's been we have no one could actually be in that sort of realms of connection as such really do you think that the, the people will be after this will be more mindful of 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 their their mental health and sort of self-care to them and, and like you said having that sort of that stable thing in your life that that secure place that you can always sort of count on do you think that people will be sort of more in in touch with themselves about what they what they need and what they need to look after themselves and stay happy I think so. I think people have had a real long time to reflect on things. I mean, speaking personally, that's something very, very uh, 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 close to my heart. Uh, I've spent a lot of quality time with my children in lockdown, which has been, and I think for me, really key is just taking the positives of that whole experience and using it to try and move forward in a, in a good way, in a positive way. Uh, I keep mentioning the word positive because I think it's easy in all our lives to get so busy with things that we kind of forget that um, we just need to keep ourselves moving in the right direction. I think that this whole um, uh, the, the three months has always been like a watermark really in our lives mm. and it gives us an opportunity now to really make the most of the things we took for granted uh, and kind of really make the most of the experiences we get to share with people and kind of look upon ourselves as the ability to kind of manage our own our own futures as such really and I think that that's one thing that's going to be key for me and a lot of people I've spoken to as well I mean the, 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 the regulars from our pub that we've managed to keep in touch with and some of the stories that have been coming back it's been really good about the fact that people have, have done a lot for their own little communities where they live speaking to neighbours I mean our, our karaoke DJ here the Flamingo Boss he's done something locally in his neighbourhood and uh, he, he said he's spoken to more of his neighbours since lockdown than ever before and he's done shopping for them uh, and they've all been uh, catching up for uh, tea and over the garden fence and I think that these are the things in mental health where we can become so isolated uh, and we, even in our own busy bubbles and now I think hopefully that we can all move forward and just care for each other a bit more really I think that's, that's kind of if you're caring for others you're looking after yourself I think really absolutely and and th- let's come on to that then so if uh, it, it, you know in the coming weeks and the coming coming months we are going <laughs> to be able to finally see each other a little bit more and, and hopefully I, you know I, I really hope that we're going to be able to actually have these conversations face to face with people now about you know how, how did we feel throughout lockdown how are we feeling now how are we sort of coping with the easing of things because you know when, when we went into lockdown it was very that you know it's just sort of it literally happened overnight didn't it but this is sort of a more gradual easing and it's a more you know we're not as in in control really we sort of don't really know what to do what we should do what we shouldn't do we're not being told as much stuff so in the coming coming weeks and coming months what do you reckon you're gonna see from from your pub's point of view I don't know. I mean, I, I, I go through little waves, and honestly, Robbie, I, I go through moments when I'm quite excited, and then I overthink it. I overthink things. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Since we've we've kind of had the idea that we're going to be going back into business, we we started getting ourselves all sorted out last week. 
Um, but looking at it, I mean, we, we've got ourselves, I think we've changed the table plan in the pub maybe three or four times in the last couple of weeks. But I think we're getting there now. Uh, I think the whole experience, really, from, from managing it for my staff, um, because I've always said that in many respects, being a pub landlord when it's busy is like being the, like being the dad at a five-year-old's birthday party, just trying to make sure that everyone's kind of doing what they should do, enjoying themselves, but not, not get being naughty as such, really. Sure. And I think that kind of, and, and I think that, it's the managing that respect really. And there's a lot of people that are really looking forward to getting into the pubs. But one of the, the key things for me is that I really, and I think every single landlord across the country just wants to people to be patient with us because we're going, we're, we're opening pubs in an entirely different world now. I mean, I, I, was, I was never a health and safety professional and I've had to learn loads of different policies and government policies in the last couple of weeks. And there's lots of other people that are in that same sort of boat, really. And I think that what we'd really like people to do is just to be patient and just understand that we can't have hundreds of people all in our pubs all at once. And we just want to be able to ease people back into it, like you mentioned about easing things back in and just to take the time and getting things moving again, really. And I think that that will then hopefully uh, set us up nicely as we move, because Christmas won't be too far away after i mentioned the dreaded c word already but it will, it will fly around pretty quickly yeah and, and so uh, you mentioned that as of l- sort of last week you knew that you was you you know had an idea that you might be be opening but when that news actually broke yesterday what was your what was your initial reaction then because to, to me i was i was partly really excited but i was also i was thinking i don't know if i necessarily want to go into a pub just yet what what, we, what was your thoughts because you have to, you're, you're there regardless yeah, I mean, I've gone from uh, three months of just pretty much being uh, daddy daycare and, and <laughs> doing my the bits and bobs entertainment-wise locally, uh, and then just being thrust back in and uh, calling my staff, doing loads of HR, and then getting myself primed for the fact that it's going to be pretty intense 24-7, and I think every landlord will be the same. You, you want to make sure you're looking after your staff, your customers, you're managing your own time. We don't want to be slipping back into the trap whereby you're just working 24-7. So you've got to try and manage everything and try and get, build yourself up, be in the right place. So when, when Boris mentioned it, I was like, yes, and I did a little fist bump, and then it kind of everything kind of hits you like almost like a wave and thinking... Yeah. Wow, here we go. And then, and then, uh, booking, well, I think we had about 300 booking inquiries in the space of a couple of hours. So I like to say to people, look, just bear with us. We haven't, we haven't actually confirmed exactly how we're operating yet. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, that comes back to the fact that just be patient with us and we'll, we'll try and get things uh, open, the booking lines and, and all that sort of jazz pretty soon. But I think people are going to have to really get themselves in the mindset. You can't just get a crowd of your mates together and just go down the pub anymore. It's going to be a little bit different. Well, this is what I did. This is what I'd like to ask you. Can people will pe- do you think people will follow these guidelines? You, you know that you think people once they've had a, f- a few drinks, you you know you 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 in- instantly you want to go you know hug your mates or whatever. Do, do you actually? There must be a, a sense of worry that people won't follow the guidelines. I think what I took from the, the prime minister's uh, briefing yesterday, Bobby, is the fact that he's asking for a lot of common sense. Mm. Um, uh, listen, I mean, there's so many different things that we can't control. And if we try to think about we can control everything, we'd end up going a bit crazy, I think, really. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, a part-time police officer. Uh, my staff that uh, turn up for work aren't part-time security guards, and we, we can't make it absolutely clear. Like, we can't be on people's heads all the time, or people wouldn't want to do it. But I think we're just asking for that element of common sense whereby people can't come to the pub and just drink from 12 until 10 at night, 10, 12 in the afternoon to 10 at night, because there's a good chance they probably wouldn't be able to retain their ability to know, be stay alert, I guess let's call it. Let's, yeah. let's go back to the, one, yeah. of the, one of the government things. I mean, that's one of the things I'm saying to my team. I think that uh, 
again, all the pub landlords are the same. We need to be staying alert. So if one, someone's coming, as we know, when they look in their eye, they've probably had a little bit too much. It's probably time just to take themselves home because there's probably a good chance if, if they won't be able to take care of themselves, then they, they're going to be an issue for people, really. So my responsibility, and I think it's going to be the same for, for every landlord, really, is we're going to pretty much have to be hopeful at the door Managing who's coming in and kind of that, that that take really, and again coming back to the patience thing. If, if a landlord said to you, probably probably not today, whether just maybe maybe to go home and have a couple of glasses of water because uh, we we can't we can't risk having uh, that kind of element of uh, even you could be the nicest person in the world, but uh, after you've had a, a few sherbets, it gets a little bit harder to manage yourself, let alone uh, get um, uh, look out from the pub. Absolutely. Well, listen, Chris, all, all, all my fingers and, and toes will be crossed for, for you and the entire industry when it comes to, to reopening and, and however you do it. All the, all the very best with it, honestly. It, it's, um, I, I wouldn't like to be in your shoes, but I'm sure you'll absolutely <laughs> smash it. So thanks for chatting to us. And again, thank you so much for, for everything that you've done for Portsmouth with the, you know, with the, live, the live performances and DJ sets over the last few months and everything. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing you're doing. So thanks for chatting to us, Chris. No problem at all. Been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for your call. Take care. Express FM. Just quickly, want to touch on something that we are doing uh, over the coming couple of weeks. We would like to hear from you. Uh, we want to try and hear from you about what you want from us over the coming weeks, coming months. Of course, the coronavirus special has been going since, uh, I think it was about a week before we went into lockdown, we started doing the coronavirus special. So it's been about 14 weeks worth of this. And hopefully, uh, in whatever capacity we have been in for you, uh, we have provided with provided you with some support over the coming, uh, over the last few months. Um, uh, but of course, we're in it for the long haul. Um, and it looks as though we won't be back to completely normal for, for a little while. So we're now planning on how we can best support the well-being of people in Portsmouth as we cope with the big changes to our lives. We would like your advice. We want to know how you would like us to broadcast, what you would like us to broadcast over the coming weeks and coming months. Maybe we could uh, spend more time trying to get the experts on to tell you about how to cope with anxiety. Maybe we could, uh, we could share more skills with you to help job hunters, whatever it might be. There's loads of ways in which we can do our bit to try and support you and be there for you. But of course, it all starts with you and we need to know from you how you would like us to proceed. So there's a very quick survey uh, on our website, expressfm.com. It's right on the homepage. We'll take you less than a minute to fill in a tape. It took, I think it took me under 40 seconds yesterday when I tried to fill it in. Uh, so it's dead easy to fill in. Just a quick tick box survey. Uh, it keeps you anonymous as well. So if you could just take a couple of minutes to click on it and tell us what we can do uh, to boost well-being in Portsmouth, that would be absolutely fantastic. So expressfm.com is the place to go for that. Right, we're going to get our local sport expert, Henry Deacon, on uh, very, very shortly, just to bring you up to date with the games in the Premier League happening. Manchester United, a 2-0 up on Sheffield United. Uh, Newcastle, Aston Villa, 0-0. Norwich, Everton, 0-0. Wolves, Bournemouth, 0-0. And Liverpool versus Crystal Palace is at 8.15 kickoff this evening. Right, we'll get in our local sport expert but Henry Deacon very shortly. But first, let's hear from John Cook, who was on Portsmouth Breakfast this morning with Mason Jordan from Canoe Lake Leisure in Southsea. He was talking about the last few months for those in the leisure industry and the tennis industry in particular. Phase one was obviously shut down. We had to lock down because of the uh, government government measures. And we follow the, um, the LTA, we're basically a tennis club, so we follow the LTA uh, uh, guidelines, their interpretation of the government measures. So we had to shut down for about 40 days, um, but then tennis, 
you lends itself to social distancing as a sport much more than other sports. Um, was allowed to recommence uh, a few weeks ago, and there was a lot of pent up demand here with our members and our um, and our play and play, the rest of the public. And we've been as busy as we have ever been. <laughs> I was going to say because with with you know gyms are still shut, uh, uh, you know right, rightfully so at this time. Contact sport is yeah. obviously not advised at all. So there's probably a lot of people turning to sports like tennis and stuff like that. Um, but but how are you keeping people safe? Yes, well we're following all the guidelines. The LTA interpret the government advice and apply it to tennis and um, the activities sort of peripheral to tennis as well. So we have um, sanitizers on site. Uh, placed um, in convenient spots. Um, we were only allowing singles to be played, so you're naturally you know, almost 100 feet away from each other in singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very safe with a net dividing you as well. Um, doubles has recently been allowed to play, um, but we're aware of the two-meter uh, rule, which uh, the members are strictly adhering to. They're just pleased to, you know, for their physical, mental well-being, they're just pleased to... Uh, do some activities where social distancing is possible. So they're very happy. Um, and we have an online pay-and-play uh, system, so no cash is transferred and as little contact as possible is made with the staff and with any other member. So it's um, it's working out very well and we're um, following the guidelines very strictly. You mentioned there about you know people's mental health and stuff as well, as well as you know keeping fit, keeping healthy and all that. Uh, I suppose uh, getting involved in an activity with people um, is great for your mental well-being as well. Have you, have you noticed a lot of people sort of looking at you guys and coming to you for, for that kind of thing? Oh, absolutely. We've had, um, since we've reopened after the uh, tennis lockdown, we've had 40 new members in two weeks. Uh, so uh, that's a big percentage of our membership uh, are new members now. So we've got about 350 tennis members and 40 of them joined in the last two weeks. So I think what people are doing is there's a pent-up demand for that to release uh, that physical, mental well-being to to, to um, gain some uh, physical activity, and um, people are coming from other sports which aren't allowed to um, take place yet, and also people new to sport. We've had a lot of beginners come to the club uh, who are perhaps less fit than they want to be, and are really enjoying our um, our sessions and and using our great facilities here. So you don't need to be an expert to get involved. You don't need to be a professional. Oh no, the um, we have good players. We've got so many members and so many teams now. There's something for everybody. We have beginners sessions. We have intermediate. We have uh, advanced and performance players based down here because we have um, eight international quality grass courts. So we have professionals down here, um, and we have uh, six artificial grass courts and some hard courts as well. So there's something for everybody in terms of the facilities and in terms of other players of a similar standard to play against. Okay, now if, if people want to, you know, maybe take up tennis for the first time and they haven't been down, maybe they just haven't been to you guys before, uh, how, how can they uh, and when can they come and play? Oh, absolutely. Well, we, we are a tennis club, but we're also open to play and play. So for, for doubles, for £2 each, you can come and play an hour of doubles. Uh, you can book online uh, or you can just pop into reception on the day. Uh, Canoe Lake Leisure is our website, canoelakeleisure.co.uk. There's lots of information there. Uh, we, we, we have about um, a third of Canoe Lake Park with tennis uh, courts and a large pavilion and a, and a cafe that's recently reopened as a takeaway. Um, people are most welcome to come in and book some courts. Um, if there's any available, I would try and put it as possible. Um, and um, enjoy some tennis at their own standard, whatever that may be. 
That's John Cook from Canoe Lake Leisure in South Sea talking earlier today to Mason Jordan on Portsmouth Breakfast. Uh, I'll now welcome in over the white line host our local sport expert Henry Deacon. Good evening, Henry. Evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. You've been, you've been at the beach today, haven't you? Yes, I've had I've had I've had a nice day off today. First time in a little while, so I thought I'd uh, I'd go down the beach, have a nice little um, bit of fish and chips and that, and just have a nice chilled out, relaxed day. I hope you had the sun cream on. Are you are you a factor? You're a factor thirty bloke, I reckon. And um, I went full whack. I went factor fifty. No messing about. No messing about. That's good. Well, that's good. Better to be safe than sorry. Um, exactly. Listening to listening to John Cook there um, from Canoe Lake Leisure. It, it, mm-hmm. Listening to how busy they are really shows to, to me that sort of there is a there is demand for playing recreational sport at the moment. And I mean, I hadn't played tennis for probably a good four or five years, but now I'm trying to play every week. Do you do you think this is something that we're going to see more of i think yeah over the summer i think you will see a lot of that i think golf has had a massive uptaking mm. i think every everybody that i know is more or less had a round of golf the last couple of weeks other than me so i think these sorts of sports are kind of seeing the positive side of coming out out of lockdown and being a, a sport where you don't need close contact and things like that so i think summer they will see a massive boom because Ultimately, there's not really much we can do at the moment. Still, mm, I've got an eight twenty tea time tomorrow morning. By the way, if you fancy it, so you can go, you can come around with me then. It's too early for me. <laughs> too early. To be fair, I, I am terrified of. Uh, I haven't played golf. I uh, actually, I haven't played around for a few months. But I'll give it a go tomorrow morning. Um, so uh, let, let's stick on tennis then. Recreationally, it seems like it's something which is definitely in full flow. But of course, this week we had um, we, we had a bit of a slap in the face, didn't we? To sort of the tennis yeah. community with Novak Djokovic who organised the tournament, um, but of course now is, is, is tested positive for, for coronavirus. And is this something that do, do you reckon that this is something that is going to put the um, the sort of the a, a stop to any professional tennis getting underway anytime soon? Um, it's a tough one. I don't think so. I think what it does do it it reinforces the point that you've got to be careful and. It's perfectly fine because it's perfectly legal to go and play tennis. It's perfectly fine to go and um, go and enjoy yourself down the beach. But ultimately, like with all the messages out there, you've got to be safe and you've got to do the right protocols. And there's lots of protocols in place at the moment, and it will feel weird. It will feel very weird. It will feel very very alien. Mm. But they're there for a reason. They're there for the safety purposes. But it's like everything in life. You start to get used to it. We never thought that we'd ever get used to lockdown in March or April, but we kind of got used to that way now. So it will be, it'll feel alien at first. And I've, I've spoken to one or two people that, that have played tennis at various tennis clubs. It feels different at first. Obviously, they're not allowed to touch the balls and things like that. Usually, it's the same servant and stuff like that. But ultimately, if you follow the protocols, you can still enjoy a good game of tennis and safely. Let's move on to another summer sport then, cricket. We, of course, found out that, uh, that, that the England cricket team have just recently come down to the Aegeus Bowl, not far away from here, uh, to prepare for a, a test match that they're going to play against the West Indies in a, in a biosecure environment. So, of course, they're staying on a hotel um, on site. A lot of people seeing cricket, uh, you know, going to happen from an international point of view. Just explain to us why it's not seen that cricket can take place recreationally, because I know there's been a lot of talk about that over the last few days. 
There was a comment um, by a politician the other day saying that a cricket ball was a vector full of diseases. Mm. Effectively, what, what they meant, I think they meant by that, is the fact that it's a tradition in cricket to, to spit on the cricket ball and rub it um, down your trousers to try and get the shine on it when you bowl. Obviously, in this world of COVID-19, and we're trying to stop the spread of disease and germs and all the rest of it, that's not possible. But that's banned, isn't it? That's banned at international level. That's ba- you can't so, yeah. you can't spit on it. So what's the problem? What what do you, do you know? What it doesn't seem I, to make I sense. I mean, for me personally, I I would think cricket's probably the safest team sport to play, except from when you're in, in a dressing room environment or something like that. But you can get changing your whites at home and go back in your whites. There's no problem with that. You know, you're <laughs> between batsmen. You've probably got a good. Well, you've got that ten metres. I mean, gap, isn't it? Um, obviously, the umpire is a good few metres away. The bowl is a few metres away. It's the most socially distant team sport out there. So, for me, if the Premier League can get underway, I can't see why professional cricket, in my view, can't get underway. You know, the county championship, things like that, behind closed doors. Out disrespect to county championship cricket. The crowds are so small, it probably feels a lot like a behind closed doors game anyway. Mm. What, what what have you made of um, uh, from sort of a from our local village team's point of view? Are, are they are, are, do you, can you see them playing any recreational cricket this year? No, I've got to be honest, I can't. Um, maybe August, maybe they could get one or two things in in August. If we're going across the trajectory, we're going in that things keep lifting month by month, maybe. But I find that very hard. Um, I find that very hard thing to, to achieve. And, and I feel for them because they're, they're, they're basically going to have 12 months earnings wiped out. And that's going to be impossible for a lot to survive on that. They're going to have to probably rely on GoFundMe, generosity from donors and things like that. Because if I, if I imagine you you know, going 12 months without wages, you're going to find it impossible to survive. And that's the situation that cricket clubs are in at the moment. And it's a desperately sad sight. Mm. I mean, I, I read something, I think, a couple of days ago in a newspaper about the the potential for... Uh, for for sort of redistributing the sports that people are going to play in, and for for example, the fact that cricket isn't taking place at the moment recreationally, but tennis is, golf is, that we're going to see you know few fewer kids playing cricket, taking up cricket, and they'll they'll move on to other sports. Do you think that this is going to be a be a proper threat to a lot of our a lot of sports like cricket? For cricket, this is possibly the worst thing that could have happened to them because. They had a brilliant summer last summer. England winning the World Cup, obviously the Ashes. And I know you're a big cricket fan. And there was a real big buzz about cricket in this country after those yeah. events. And this was the last thing they, that they needed because the momentum they could have built this summer with the 100 and things like that, I'm absolutely gutted for them and gutted for the local clubs. Um, because I can't see there being any cricket. And it will be things like golf and things like tennis that will be able, as, as you say, to pick up the pieces from it because it, you you can do social things. I think you can in cricket. But I think because they're individual sports, I reckon that's probably why they've been given the green light quicker.
It is devastating. You're right, and it it was promising to be such a big, um, such a big summer. Listen, we've got about a minute left. I just want to touch quickly before we let you go on uh, gyms. Of course, outdoor gyms allowed to open from the fourth of July. Indoor gyms still on hold, and I know there's been a lot of people that have been uh, been upset about this. And, and what have, what have sort of from your feed, from feedback that you've had, what have, uh, have sort of gym owners and gym users made of it? I think they're disappointed. I think there was a few they actually expected they'd get the green light. Maybe not on July 4th, but at some point. But there was um, a tweet by Oliver Dowd and the, uh, the DCMS secretary who said who said they, they want to get it open by mid-July. Whether they will or not is, is a different matter altogether. But if we look at the trajectory that we're on, the cases are coming down uh, to, to a level as far as new cases is concerned that we didn't quite imagine it happened so quickly so maybe there is you know there is time yet for you open in july but the key line is that it won't be opening with a pub restaurant uh, cinemas and all the rest of it yeah it's going to be it's going to be another economic hit as well for those uh, yeah. for those gyms i imagine listen henry Absolutely. as as always mate we appreciate your time thanks for thanks for being on tonight my pleasure as ever, Robbie. A big thank you to all of my guests this week on the Coronavirus Special. Don't forget, if you have a question or a story that you would like to tell us about on future episodes of the Coronavirus Special, you can email me, robbie at expressfm.com. And the Coronavirus Special returns on Wednesday from 6 o'clock.